1: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
2: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Lookout Landing podcast. Today, John Troopin and I are... Oh, first of all, I'm Kate Pruser, managing editor of Lookout Landing. You probably know that by now. Uh, (laughs) Today, John Troopin and I are joined by Craig Edwards, who you might know from his work at Fangraphs, and also he is the managing editor of Viva Alberto's SB Nation's Cardinals blog. Hello, Craig.
3: How are you guys doing?
4: Doing very well. It's raining the first time in about two and a half months in Seattle, and everyone's essentially acting like it's snowing, so uh, it could be worse.
2: I mean, we had a pretty rainy spring and late entry to summer, so I feel like people shouldn't have forgotten the rain quite yet. (laughs) Tell us about where you are and what you're doing, Craig.
3: Uh, I am in Chicago. It is sunny and about 70 right now. The weather is actually pretty perfect. Um, It's kind of weird. I think August has been a bit cooler than you would normally expect. Usually, you know, you expect a bunch of, you know, high 80s and ninety degree weather, but that really hasn't been the case.
2: And how, uh, did you, just tell us a little bit about how you came to be where you are and what you're doing in Chicago on, in enemy territory.
3: Um, well, I grew up in Iowa. Um, I was raised a, a Cardinals fan. Both of my parents grew up in Missouri. Uh, so all my extended family was Cardinals fans. Um, and then I went to, uh, undergrad at drake which is in des moines where i grew up and then went to law school in iowa city at the university of iowa and moved to chicago for work and um i've been here in chicago now since 2006 and um cubs fans were more or less fine until a couple years ago (laughs) (laughs) yeah
2: i bet uh, what was that like being in Chicago for what I imagine was just a week or two or perhaps a month of just d- debauchery and uh, rioting in the streets and I mean, yeah, you know I it's think it's crazy
3: I think most cities are are generally better when you know there's sports teams are good or you know have interests it just brings a little bit more activity uh, around and I, I think Chicago's uh, no different in that in that respect I think that um, you know, it's the playoffs are were, you know, just crazy with the the amount of people that were were out and about and I think that uh it, it did get a, a little nuts and I think, you know, the the hangover maybe is is still in effect and and will be. Hopefully, you know, it doesn't last uh as long as, you know, like say the eighty five Bears has that's still going <laughs> right now in Chicago. So um I don't know if that's gonna happen for, for the Cubs or not, but uh uh, I think generally it makes the city a better place to live in, even if you have to deal with, you know, a few more obnoxious fans here and there.
2: I think John and I can maybe attest to that. So I moved back to Seattle right about the time where the Seahawks won the Super Bowl. So that was, I I know a lot of people, many people cannot stand Seahawks fans um, who are maybe similar to Cubs fans in that the city has suffered for a long time without a championship. And, uh, there was, um, an understandable outpouring, I think of excitement yeah. around it. But I know that people around the league get very frustrated about Seahawks fans, although it made it, it was super fun yeah. to be here. Uh, something we've been wanting to have for the Mariners for quite a while and just have not.
4: <laughs> No, not, not much of a legacy of success recently for us, um, but a number of moves recently that, uh, while not necessarily aggressively advanced in that, certainly have, have been interesting. Um, and obviously yesterday, uh, was sort of the more, the, the, the fresh in our minds move, uh, trading for Mike Leak, um, and in exchange, uh, essentially, uh, Giving up a middle infielder who we have affinity for in Rader Escanio, but is not a major uh, prospect. Um, Craig, what sort of what was the Cardinals, I guess, fan base perspective on Mike Leake? Like, wh- wh- was he a player that people were sad to see go, or had had were the Cardinals uh, had, were people essentially kind of done with Mike Leake?
3: Um You know, I, I think that I would characterize. Both the signing and the the trade of Mike Leake is with sort of mild annoyance. <laughs> um, you know, when when they signed him, it was after they you know failed in their pursuits to sign David Price. So it's like, I mean, when you're when you're going from oh, hey, maybe we're going to get David Price to oh, the Cardinals just signed Mike Leake. You're just like, well, you know, you're. Blomp <laughs> <womp. laughs> You. you you just committed, you know, five years and, and $80 million to a guy who's average. And, you know, at, at the time they were, you know, wanting to make sure that they, you know, sort of filled up uh, the innings gap that they potentially had with Lance Lynn, uh, missed 2016 with, with Tommy John surgery, uh, John Lackey was a free agent. And so, Uh, they wanted to make sure that they sort of filled in in the gaps before uh, some of the younger guys were were ready to 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 step up and you know he he was you know he more or less did that last year I think uh, the Cardinals defense was was pretty shoddy um, in in 2016 and that that hurts Leak a bit because the the ball you know goes in play so much but I think that uh, this year he got off to a great start, and that sort of maybe set some unreasonable expectations. And he's a guy who, over the course of his career, you know, he, he's he's worn down a bit um, a, as the season goes on. Um, it's it's weird, you know. People pay attention to to pitch counts so much, and and Mike Leake is a guy who, you know, he'll be through five innings and have seventy five pitches, and you think, oh, maybe we're going to get two more innings out of him. But like, really, you know, you'd probably just take him out right then if you, you know, you did just just go straight to the bullpen because it just you you don't pay attention with pitch counts it's that you know I, i think that the third time through the order penalty is is big uh with him but you know if you're looking for a guy who can give you 30 starts for five or six innings and and be about average you know that's that's about what what he's he's done um he's struggled over the last month or so um you know maybe had trouble locating some of his off-speed pitches, getting getting up in the zone. I don't know if that's due to maybe a little bit of fatigue, maybe you know, uh, getting a, a few more days of extra rest at some point might might have helped him. But uh, I think that you know you, you more or less know what you're getting. You're getting a guy who's not going to strike out a lot of guys. He's not going to walk a lot of guys. puts gets the ball on the ground when things are going well and uh, all that tends to, to even out over the course of the season to, to get you an, an average starting pitcher. So I think that uh, them trading him now um, and also picking up so much of the, the money is sort of an annoying situation because it's like, why did you sign him in the first place if after a year and a half you were going to dump him and pay uh, uh, $17 million of his contract? So, I mean, they paid $42 million for you know a year in three quarters of, of, of Mike yeah. Leak, which I guess is the market rate. But, you know, I mean, Whoa. that's, yeah. you know, that's, that's it's, not, yeah. it's, Pitch your it's kids. not, it's not, it's not a good feeling, um, yeah. you know, and so uh, it, it, on the positive side, it, it also means that the Cardinals are, are confident in some of their younger pitchers uh, stepping up and it does clear a little bit of money so that they can hopefully make, some sort of bigger move, hopefully, on the position player side uh, at some point, if not today, you know, in the offseason to to sort of get themselves out of this hole that they, they have where it seems like they've got a bunch of average players and no stars.
2: Yeah, I saw a lot of uh, uh, Cardinals fans saying, we're getting Stanton. Wait, yeah,
3: well, I, you know. M- maybe. <laughs> a lot of dominoes, I think, uh, have to fall in order to, to 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 put that in place. But I think that that's the type of guy that, that the Cardinals sort of need to go after. I think that it might have been more reasonable to go after him two months ago before he, you know, put on the show of shows um, and made it, you know, a little bit less reasonable and made it a little harder for the for the Marlins to trade him. But you know, a, a guy like Stan, the Cardinals, they should have money. Um, you know, that 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 would make a move like that, or you know, a trade for some other, you know, big contract, big money player. They've got, you know, they've got the farm system, they've got the money that that they should be making things happen. And I think people are are sort of waiting for that. And over the past couple of years, the, the 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 fans have been a little bit. Spoiled, perhaps, but uh, you <laughs> know the the low 80s win season, you know, isn't isn't cutting it for for a lot of people, and uh, for a team that you know draws so well, and you know, it's it's uh, a bit unfortunate that people are turning on them so quickly. But at the same time, uh, they need to sort of make things happen to to, to get people a little bit more invested uh, for next season.
2: Well, it is a. Uh... It's a great thing to be able to say we're gonna pay we're gonna pay Mike Leake this money to basically be a placeholder until our young arms you know Flaherty and Hudson and Weaver until those guys are ready and then really because they're so young and cheap and homegrown I mean this is what you can do when you are able to <laughs> grow your own pitching talent which is something the Mariners have really struggled with over the years obviously. Because years and years of Jack Serednick who pitching, what pitching? Let's just get all the big right-handed power arms, um, power bats. So it's it's a luxury that I, as a Mariners fan, cannot comprehend to be able to look to our AA squad or our A team and say, oh, well, we can allocate this amount of money to these guys because we have five six guys who it looks like are going to work out and then you just have to wait enough time to see which of those guys are gonna really pan out but you're almost guaranteed at least two of them right
3: yeah i think that you know a lot of people may take for granted a little bit the the cardinals ability (laughs) to produce average players whether it's pitchers or whether it's you know um you know outfielders infielders, whatever it seems like they have no problem Bringing somebody up who can give them average production, and I think that, that that's, it's a real talent for, for an organization. Um, because I don't, I don't think you necessarily realize, oh, hey, you know, if, if the Chicago White Sox had had, you know, three or four more average players, they wouldn't have needed to sell everybody because they'd be contending it in the playoffs, but they had, you know, black holes at like, you know, four or five different spots. And if they had just average production, then then they'd do great. And I, I think that you know, yeah, the, I have the Cardinals... some
2: opinions on how the White Sox are developing their players and what they're going to do to this huge crop of prospects that they just got. Because doesn't help if you can't develop them.
3: Yeah, and, and you know it's it's a situation where the Cardinals have been pretty pretty blessed to find those average guys, but they've had a lot of difficulty uh, finding a star. And you know they they keep. You know, sort of hoping that that one of the average guys develops in, into a star, but it that that just hasn't been hasn't been the case for them, and they've they've done really well with pitching. Um, you know, Luke Weaver has come up and done better than most people have, have expected him to do, I think, and and Jack Flaherty is maybe not a, a well-known name, but. Uh, he's a guy who didn't pitch a lot in high school and, you know, has worked his way up really quickly through through the, the minor league system and, and this appears is where to be I, majorly gruddy. I,
2: <laughs> this is where I stop and sing my praises of Jack Flaherty, who I saw in the perfect game All-American Classic, and I was like, who is that kid? Like, I love him. On a just a personal level, like, what a great guy. And then i the stuff is. He is my favorite prospect in baseball. I'm
4: so jealous you did, uh, of you. Sort of general profiling of, uh, you know, during the trade deadline period, uh, Craig, we were looking at who can the Mariners trade for because we have so little to give up. You know, we essentially had Tyler O'Neill, and that's about it. Um, and. Uh, Depoto has shown a tendency to look for these AAA guys who he thinks he can maximize on. So, Kate did a profile of uh, you know looking at Weaver and Flaherty and Marco Gonzalez and a few other people uh, in the Cardinals organization. Um, what I guess are are there is is there a feeling uh, that uh, in in that trade, uh, the O'Neill for Gonzalez trade, um, that you guys sort of really got something you needed there because the Mariners obviously Gonzalez has not been good this year for us. But um, you know, you mentioned uh, when you were describing Mike Lee because like he's a guy who can go five to six innings for you. We don't have really anyone who can do that on the active roster at the moment, besides maybe Erasmo Ramirez, who was not a starting pitcher this you know at the start of this year. So. Um, you know, that sounds pretty good, I think, to most Mariners fans. Um, so, you know, what, what was the sense on the Gonzalez-O'Neal trade there?
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was pretty universally praised on the Cardinals' end. Um, Gonzalez, you know, he was the guy who, you know, three years ago made the the major leagues in less than a year after getting drafted and then uh, in the playoffs he um, like he, he came in as a reliever and you know maybe was working on like a, a third pitch you know he's he, he was your typical lefty you know low not not high velocity fastball good changeup, and in the playoffs it looked like maybe he had this slider that was going to be a third pitch and make him a really effective starter and then you know, basically, you know, injuries have sort of started and, and stopped uh, him from really keeping that that run going over the last few years, and it it came to a point where, hey, he's finally you know back healthy and, and pitching in in AAA, and he he got called up for for one game I think this year for the Cardinals, and you know it it seemed like his value probably wasn't going to get any higher and he was going to be out of options I think next year. And and the fact is he, he had just been passed by guys like Weaver, guys like Flaherty, you know, obviously Alex Reyes last year. And it, it, was a, it was a situation where he didn't really have a future with the Cardinals as a starting pitcher. He was maybe going to go into the bullpen next year. But if you were going to be able to find a team that, maybe saw him as a starter, then that's something that you have to jump on. And, and to get a guy who's, you know, maybe a top 100-ish prospect um, like O'Neill. I think that that, that, that was, it was viewed as a very good trade for the Cardinals. And the Cardinals don't necessarily have um, a lack of, of outfielders right now. But uh, in terms of value, it's, it's kind of hard to beat, especially just with that power you know you you take some chances on guys who who have that power and you hope that you know maybe they can you know develop everything else enough to where you can you can have sort of a, you know a transformational player but the most likely outcome is you know maybe a randall Gridgick type but um you know i, I think overall the, the view is definitely favorable
2: yeah, I mean, it was a, it was not met with universal acclaim on this side, obviously. I think um, maybe the trade for Mariners fans was viewed more as, well, this sucks, but this is something we have to do because we literally do not have any pitchers who are healthy right now. Like, we just, at that point especially, needed people who could throw baseballs. Um, and I think a lot of the appeal with Gonzalez, like you said, is... Well, maybe he, he, his development got uh, sidetracked a little. He's working on that third pitch, and then he had to kind of abandon it. Now it seems like he's introducing a curveball more, which looks to be... And John, you obviously are better at this stuff than I am, but um, the curveball looks like it can be a major league quality pitch. It's got some nice bite to it. He seems to be able to locate it for strikes. Uh, It's a pitch he was working on in college, though, that he basically had to abandon while he was working through the Cardinals system. So, um, you know, it's it's raw, as is, I think, his ability to be a starter, Um, coming back from TJ, coming back from the shoulder injury. um, I still see a lot of potential with Gonzalez, but... Uh, the yeah. anger about I mean, he, treating I'm Tyler sure O'Neill. The sadness about the, the vid- treating
4: him. It's Tyler tough O'Neil to get O'Neil over the videos brutal. of moonshot home runs, uh, which Tyler O'Neill is quite capable of uh,
3: supplying. Yeah. Yeah, I think you know the the advantage a guy like Gonzalez has is that he's he's a really good athlete. So I think that if you can you know keep him healthy for a while, he he should be able to you know you know get it get a new some new pitch going you know have the repeatability of the delivery that sort of thing. Because I mean I, I know that I mean it's been a long time, but at Gonzaga he was a two way player and he was a decent hitter and you know that sort of stuff's you know, tends to, to to carry over at at some point in the big league level to to help you work out of of some sort of sort of issues. And you know, as as far as O'Neill goes, I mean, it seemed like he had a lot of struggles early on in the season, and and it it was a situation where um, he might have been, you know, yeah. stock was maybe down a little bit in the industry. I don't know if the Mariners were down on him, but uh, it seemed like he was. Turning things around one of, one right of at the, the point to the Gonzalez, where, to where, where he was traded. Point.
4: I believe one of the major controversies of the last couple of weeks is that the Mariners refused to let Gonzalez swing um, in two different at-bats that he had uh, when they were <laughs> playing uh, at Atlanta and had him bunt twice. Um, yeah, especially after having... Uh, Andrew Albers hit an RBI single and we were Erasmo so mad. have two hits I think it, yeah it was like our hitter our pitchers had more offensive production street, and the one who like actually probably was like a decent enough hitter uh, or relative to any of them was nope you're, you're buttoned twice
3: uh... <laughs> <laughs> Mike right. Leeds is actually also I mean he's not terrible uh, Can he play with for, the bat, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, he's, he, he's another you know good good athlete type type player. Uh, he's, mean, he's, he's like 5'9". I don't the know Bears Might you, have the shortest. He, he's the prototypical uh, first now baseman. Now that i don't
4: think about it, it's like Marco Gonzalez is maybe six foot. Erasmo is like five staff. ten. I mean, he's listed. Six oh, he's foot. tiny. He's tiny, but he's listed as 5'8". eight. Like five eight, eight. And like Andrew. He's so
2: small.
3: No, please. Oh, Trade for Strowman. Yeah. 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 If
2: we can get Andrew yeah. Moore back it's, it's in, Paxton yeah, we would, we would. have an. Arms enti- out, we would have no ever, one yep, over six, on six foot except Paxton. On
1: side.
3: Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was always like funny watching. Photos with it'd be like Adam Wainwright, Michael Walker, and then Mike Lee. It's surprising.
4: Because, I mean, I've, it's like you know, I've watching a, a Little Brother
3: trailer. Often,
4: we we saw him when he was with uh, when he was with uh, Houston, right for for the or not Houston, um, uh, San Francisco uh, for a little bit. But like he, he I, maybe it's just the San hair. San Francisco. And it makes him seem like he's taller, uh, or, or at least it distracts you, but. Yeah, that is, he is not tall now. <laughs> I'm looking actually at some of these photos. He is a very small little guy. Uh. Uh,
2: that re- leads me to one of the questions that we got on Twitter that uh, I thought was pretty funny. Um, let me... Uh, PNV at Vagabond PNW wants to know if there's any chance that next year at some point the M's rotation is four for former Cardinals, prospects, and James Paxton.
3: So we've got Marco Gonzalez about. He's signing and, and uh, Lance Lynn.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Especially because he seemed to be pretty mad, right? He was mad about. Um,
3: Well, I think, yeah, I mean, it goes back, uh, like a month or so. So, I mean, in, in July, uh, when the Cardinals were, you know, maybe in, maybe out, uh, in terms of, of making a run, uh, he would get asked every, after every start about, you know, if he felt like this was his last start with the Cardinals, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, I think at, after his final start before the deadline, he's like, we're four games out, I'm not getting traded. And he didn't get traded, and you know that's. And then all of a sudden, the Cardinals went on an eight-game run to get back in it, and now they're you know a, a little bit out of it. And I think that you know you're going to get that that sense from almost all veteran players, where if you're in a race and the team you know doesn't add anything, uh, I think there's going to be a little bit of, of resentment there because you know they're they're out there they're you know working hard trying to you know get in a winner, and then when you see you know the Cubs add Jose Quintana, and you know the Brewers added you know Neil Walker and Anthony Swarzak, and the Cardinals are like, nope, we're good. Um, when you know things were definitely not good, uh, I think that the, the players are, are maybe a little upset that that they're not you know making things happen a little bit more, and and you know with with Rosenthal going down, um, that really hurt the the bullpen over the last uh, few weeks. But I, I think that the the from a player perspective, um, you know, even if on paper it seems like oh, Jack Flaherty's going into the rotation, maybe Wainwright comes back, you know, they're not necessarily that much worse off as a team between Leak or you know Weaver and Flaherty or wh- whoever. Uh, from a perspective standpoint, it's it's not a great look. Uh, sure. I just when you're I sending a message to the team that hey, sign, we we believe limb, in you guys. Uh,
4: then all you need is James Paxton, oh. Marco Gonzalez, Mike Leek, uh, Lance Lynn, and Sam Gaviglio, and you do have that uh that magic <laughs> uh quintet.
2: <laughs> That's uh. right.
4: <laughs> Go on, Kate, I cut you off.
2: <laughs> there, there it is. <laughs> oh, sweet baby Sam. Um I, somebody pointed out, too, in the comments, I think, that um, it's kind of a reflection on players like Lynn that they look around. They, they don't look down, right? They look around. So they see other teams doing these things, making these moves, bringing in these impact guys. They see other guys who are, quote-unquote, at their level. Um, and not, I think... I, I don't know that that's the best way to look at things because you should be able to look down and look into your farm system as a player, I think, and know like who's there and be able to support those guys and support them when they come up, which just seems like that that's not my favorite attitude. I think that a guy has to be an MLB player to be, because that kind of feeds into that idea too, of like rookie hazing and all of that. And, you know, just, and I know, um, from having been in tacoma where when the cardinals when the memphis redbirds came to play they have an ipad stuck to the door of the clubhouse and each player coming in for their their day has to sign in and answer uh, a series of questions yeah. kind of Sonoma like um, in that ben Lindbergh. Uh, <laughs> <the>, it's only <laughs> only your, role, the only rule is a hammer you has know to what work. i'm talking about Yeah. It only has to work, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. Yes, that one. Um, So they kind of adapted the idea from that where players have to sign in and say, how are you feeling today? How how are you feeling physically? How are you feeling mentally? Uh, Do you feel like you're going to have a good... So like this series of questions. So I think attending to that mental skills side or attending to like the whole player rather than just the physical player. So... I don't know. Uh, it it does that attitude seems a little at odds with what I feel like the Cardinals might be trying to do in the organization, the Cardinals' way, whatever. Um, so I'd just like to hear uh, your thoughts on how the Cardinals develop people. But...
3: Well, I, I think you know, speaking to to Lynn specifically, uh, you know, he. He's he was also upset because um, when they traded away Leak, you know the questions he was he was getting was now do you think this makes it more likely for the Cardinals to sign you? And his response was they haven't talked to me. And so um, uh. I think that it part of it was a, more of a personal question to 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 Lance Lynn because you know he probably feels like he's. Earned, you know, some sort of discussions about a long-term contract, and and the Cardinals have basically said, you know, at at the end of this year, you're gone. Um, as far as you know, how they're developing players, I think it's that you know they the Cardinals way or whatever you want to call it is 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 sort of a, I don't know. It's it's a bit of a a misnomer as far as like doing things the right way, and it's more of a the Cardinals want to make sure that uh, whatever they're learning in, you know, Jupiter and Extended Springs training is the same stuff that they're going to be learning, you know, when they you know, get promoted to Peoria, High A, and Palm Beach. It, it, you know, it, it, they, they want to make sure that there's some consistency throughout the levels to make sure that they're, um, you know, going going through things and not being told one thing by, you know, one manager and another thing by... Another guy, and and I, one thing that they do place an emphasis on, and you know, I have no idea whether or not this is important, but they they think it's important that that players uh, you know win some in, in the minor leagues and are part of you know a playoff push, or and they think that that helps um, you know sort of prepare them a little bit for for the pressures of, of when you have to do it a, in the big leagues, and I I don't know that that's. Uh, something that that actually does help, but I know it's something that that they do and, and they believe in, and they they've got a, a tricky situation because they they've got a lot of young players who who are more or less ready for the big leagues, but they're maybe not good enough to push the guys out who are who are currently taking those roles. You know, they they've called up Carson Kelly, who's you know one of the best catching prospects in baseball, but he's sitting behind Yadier Molina, who has a three-year contract extension. And so uh, is it better for his development to get at bats in in Memphis every day, or is it better for him to sit on the bench uh, in St. Louis? And I don't know that I have the right answer for that, but I I feel like it's probably better for him to play a little bit more Um, but and then maybe get that major league experience in in September. But I, I think that, you know, in general, I think the player development You know system works um to the extent of you know the they identify guys who they feel will will work their way up through the system and and for the most part it, it works out for them
2: that's interesting because that's very similar to some of the things that depoto has brought in to the mariners this past couple years um the emphasis on winning in the minors is definitely something that was a big push last year it, and it resulted in, uh, yes, um, I, believe I think, that every fair. team going to the playoffs. Or at least every yeah, team I had a winning record. I th- and I John, do you know, is that right? That's, almost every team went that's to the right. playoffs. But, yes. Um. So, that's right. And and we had the um, the Southern League champions in the Jackson Generals, which was that team that had... Andrew Moore and Tyler O'Neill and uh, a few other guys on it. Dan Altavilla was there for a while. Edwin Diaz was there for a while. Guillermo Heredia was there for a while. Um, And that, I think, Tyler O'Neal's performance in that league really put him on the map. And then he went to the Arizona Fall League, and he was kind of a star at the Fall League. He was, in fact, an all-star. And um, that really just gave him a lot of helium, which I think is why... People, despite his like sort of lackluster performance this year in AAA, which he was, he still is super young for the level. Um, but people that that kind of impacted why people were so sad to see him go because he was one of the very few like legit stars that uh, we had. The, and and who, the point I guess the to, only to counterbalance balance that, that you know,
4: to the discussion of like Major having Freddie. everything at in the same way at this, each level, um, you know, people being taught the same stuff. I, we we've reiterated this a few times, but you know, uh, what we've heard from people who were part of the organization uh, during the jackie era, and, you know, players, players' families, you know, people who were outside of the organization was, you know, players would get one type of instruction at one level and get another opposite type of instruction at another level, you know, and was, that's what happened to Mike Zunino, you know, that's what happened to Dustin Ackley, you know? And that's also what happens that Mm -hmm. then you miss, you know, guys like Justin Smoke, where you know, they have the physical skill set but they're not being, you know, they're not being coached in such a way that they can you know, unlock that uh, potential. Um, mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, the big joke about Mariner's players is they always get better when they leave, um, which is, you know, it's a little bit of a false canard, but uh, to this, there is, there is some meaning to it in that there was a way that players were being developed that wasn't as effective. And now, uh, to a man, every person we talk to, when you say, what's been the biggest change in the organization, they say, communication, everything is the same, um, which seems like such a simple thing. Get all of your guys on message. How hard is that? But uh, apparently it was uh, it, it, it was a challenge. So I don't think we'll see the effects from that. Obviously, the Cardinals have been doing this for years, right? Um, so we're not going to see these effects immediately. Um, but I think in a few years we're going to start reaping the benefits <laughs> of guys who have had one consistent form of instruction. I mean, now the question is, is this the best form of instruction? Um, but just having everyone kind of on the same page is tremendously helpful.
3: Yeah, I mean, the cardinals the you know whatever the joke is right now is is that you know they they struggle they they come up from AAA and they have success in the majors, and then they start to struggle, and so they send them back down to AAA to get them fixed, and then they come back up and then they do well again. And, you know, people are wondering what instruction is going on at the major league level to to where they they get up and then they stall. And that's happened with Colton Long and Randall Grigick and Stephen Piscotti. Oledmus Diaz is still down in the minors. And these are all guys that that, that came up. And, you know, it's not like they put up a, a run of two weeks where, you know, they just hit a few homers and everyone was like, oh, he's you know uh, a our next great player or something it's guys who came up and for half a season or a full season or more were we hitting well and uh for whatever reason uh, at the first sign of of struggles uh that they would get benched and and then find themselves in the minor leagues again and you know it's it's not no matter how well run you know your organization is it's there's there's going to be holes and there's going to be issues that that you don't plan for and and can't really necessarily correct in in one season and it takes a lot of time and a lot of trial and error to to figure out what what works best
2: um one of the questions that we have it kind of related to this is um, are the cardinals fans the best fans in baseball Please answer in haiku. You do not have to answer in haiku. That was that question came from C from Bothel, our friend Chris, who uh, always wants to make people answer in haiku. Um, but sort of related to that idea of I, I think that a lot of Cardinals fans have justified pride in the organization um, because of the Cardinals way and because there's this great emphasis on growing their own players. I it's something you can really be proud of. Which, again, I can only. Look from the outside and imagine how great that must be. Um, But do you think that that's kind of correlated to that feeling of best fans in baseball? Where where does that come from? What's your take on that?
3: You know, I think that it, like a lot of things, it's sort of uh, you know media and and player created, and then at some point in time, you know, when it have you know you hear it over and over and over again, um, and you you know, have a decent amount of, of success, it sort of gets flipped on its 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 end. You know, I, I don't think Cardinals fans have been going around for decades, you know, flaunting the the fact that, you know, people were calling them the, the best fans in baseball. But if enough people start saying, oh, hey, you know, St. Louis is, is the best, they have the best fans, then you're going to start to take a little bit of pride in that. And, you know, it's, it can be fun to sort of knock that down a little bit, you know, when you know fans do things that aren't necessarily uh, representative of what you would hope that that a fan base was doing, and I think it's it's a similar situation where you know all of a sudden because this has been created, then it's it comes back against the fan base um, when they're not necessarily the ones that started. It. You know, people. I think it's a similar situation with so whether or not you think Yadier Molina is is a future Hall of Famer. Um, you know, you hear you hear guys say, uh, um, "Oh, well, Cardinals fans are going to be mad about this," but I, I don't think that he's a Hall of Famer. When you know all sorts of respected baseball people, whether it's you know Buster, only Ken Ken Rosenthal, Jonah Carey, whoever, are are saying. Oh, we think that Yadier Molina is is a future Hall of Famer, and so that that view goes to the fans. The fans pick up that view, and then people get mad at the fans for having that view, and you know they sort of. <laughs> you get, are wel- you know, you're welcome to swear. Uh, I don't
4: the, know I don't know if you've watched. It, I'm yeah, trying we're not a Mariners podcast. They, with, with they get crapped on. Oh, you, you, the, you, you can You, you can definitely swear. <laughs> you're allowed to
2: <laughs> We're a Mariners podcast. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> I believe the slogan for the season was fuck, <laughs> Hashtag fuck this for about three months.
2: Yeah, we broke the yeah, I mean, seal so. on that a long time ago. <laughs> anyway, go
4: on.
3: Well, yeah, they. <laughs> No, so I, I think that um, you know the, the more attention you receive, the 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 more likely people aren't going to like it, and you're going to find more of the sort of the 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 poor representations are, are going to get called out, and I think that St. Louis has been perhaps uniquely uh, called out by you know certain Twitter accounts and and that sort of <laughs> thing over the past few years, whereas other fan bases they don't have that happening uh to to them in the same way and so i think that that people resent that a little bit although you know at, at some point it just it comes with the territory um when you know you get that much exposure it's just going to happen
2: and like i said i mean it's similar to what we've had with the 12s um to the point where even our own fan base has become kind of divided between Seahawks fans and twelves, and if you're a twelve, then you're like looked down upon, or um, there are maybe certain assumptions made about your fandom that I don't know are always entirely fair or just, but sometimes are because sometimes, you know, when you have a group of fan, there's always going to be a group of fans in your fan base who are um, uh, all capsy to put it nicely, you know, they're very. Uh, maybe, maybe don't always regard, don't always think through things, maybe aren't as thoughtful as some of us would, would wish they be. Um, um, but I think that that's a really good point, that it you can't just let that feed that, that small and selfish and kind of amoral place, because there's a lot about rooting for sports teams that is amoral, because you are hoping for your team, you're hoping for other people's failure, right? It is in itself, the act of sports fandom is kind of a uh um you know it's being a jerk i think Meg Rowley wrote a great thing once about uh being being a jerk and how that's built into your fandom (laughs) yeah i mean
3: it would have felt really good if aroldis chapman had blown that world series game and the cubs had lost i mean i'm not gonna lie it would have felt really good (laughs)
2: Well, see, I liked Mike Montgomery. I have been a big Mike Montgomery fan <laughs> all along, so I got the perfect, ideal outcome. My my moral compass was very satisfied that night. Um, another question that we got for you from Chris is: Do you miss Albert Pujols?
3: Um, you know, I I I don't miss his production that he's, he's giving the angels right now. I missed the production that he was giving the the Cardinals for, you know, uh, 2001 to 2011. Um, You know, I, I went back and tried to sort of figure out, you know, what the Cardinals might look like now if they had signed him to, you know, I think they offered not, not as much as the angels offered probably, you know, like nine years and maybe, uh, like 210 million dollars or something like that if how the cardinals would would look differently now and you know it's it's not that different but at the same time um if he were in his you know 17th year with the Cardinals and and playing first base every day um you know and you still don't have the dh in the national league it's it, it's it's a tough situation i think that it it's always nice to say, "Oh, you know, wouldn't wouldn't it be great if Albert Pujols played twenty years?" They were all with the Cardinals, and it, you know, it's him, Stan Musial, and Bob Gibson, and you know, like that, that, that sort of nostalgic, uh, you know, view feels really nice. But you know, I, I think ultimately you'd you'd rather um, have your team make good decisions. Um, and, you know, it's, it's looking like offering $9 million and, you know, $210 million or or nine years and $210 million, you know, wasn't probably a very good decision. And the Angels, you know, say, saved the Cardinals in, in that sense. Um, you know, that, all that said, I don't know that competitively the, the Cardinals would be doing a lot differently if they, if they still had Albert Poole saying, you know, one of the things that the Angels did was they backloaded the contract. And so it makes his $114 million or whatever that, that he's still owed look so much worse because they're only paying him like $15 million in his first year or something like that. Um, so I, mean, I guess the, the, the short answer is y- yes, I, I miss Albert Pujols. But, but at the same time, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm fine with his decision to not be playing for the Cardinals right now.
2: Well, if you read 538 yesterday, (laughs) you would have read that Albert Pujols is the worst player in baseball uh, by a lot. Uh, On uh, on the other end of that, I (laughs) I
4: know Tommy Pham has had... So maybe that would uh, make you feel even better. To me, as someone who barely heard Uh, of Tommy Pham, Um, an extraordinary breakout season. Um, Has that been sort of the most fun... Piece of th- uh, this year, or you know, what what's what's been the most fun part of of watching this season, um, even as the Cardinals are sort of still hanging around in in playoff contention, but sort of uh, you know not not quite as much locked into it.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think. You know tommy Pham's emergence has, has been great i mean I, I don't think that you know there's much reason for people to have heard about him before this year but um he was a i mean this is like his 12th year i think in the cardinals organization he was drafted out of out of high school in, in las vegas and he always had a ton of talent he always you know generally performed well but he couldn't stay on the field oh. and you know i think last year he was in the opening day lineup and he strained his hamstring i think running to first on his very first at bat and that's sort of <laughs> that's sort of been the story of, of Tommy Pham before this year and then you know the 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 broadcast mentions it i think every single night but that uh, he has an eye condition um And he's, I think, you know, legally blind in one eye and he has to have special contacts and he's had to go through, you know, however many eye doctors just to be able to, you know, see correctly. And for a a baseball player, that's obviously uh, a pretty important thing to be able to do. And when he's not had the right contacts, you know, he's he's struck out like 40 percent of the time and it's like, oh, well, he's not very good. But then he gets the right contacts, and you know it, mm-hmm. things things turn around for him. I don't know that he's necessarily the the five win player or six or seven win player. Like he's he's almost playing you know on a rate basis. But um, you know that whatever the the cardinal situation is next <laughs> year, uh, he's 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 earned you know a, a spot in the everyday lineup and. You know, right now, he's probably a better center fielder defensively than Dexter Fowler is, but uh, I don't know that that's necessarily going to, to to to, to change uh, too much now. But it's definitely been very exciting to, to see see what what he's done uh, so yeah. far this year. I think the the first couple months where Carlos Martinez was you know pitching like one of the you know best five you know pitchers in baseball was was really fun. Mm-hmm. He's come back down a little bit, but um, you know the, as far as, as the most exciting thing, uh, it's, it's definitely a Tommy fan because you know the, the team it's you know they, they just they should be better than, than they are, and it's, it's been disappointing to see them sort of underachieve um, you know what, what both expectations were and, and both you know the, the individual performances you know should produce better than, than a 500 record right now, and they just haven't. <laughs>
2: well uh maybe we can kind of wrap up with this question because um
3: is it about the brendan ryan trade
2: no but i mean if you want to go on about that for a while our listeners love hearing about brendan ryan so
3: michael clato just just worked out you know so well for for the cardinals
1: (laughs)
2: There just there cannot be enough. Uh, it's, it's very Brendan possible. Ryan I, content Kate, on the I, podcast I wanna, for, Kate.
4: You uh, are a or the Cardinals just raider. traded and for the were next raider. Brendan Ryan Fairly upset. Uh,
3: for for Mike Leake. I think so. Watch out.
2: Yeah, i <laughs> I was sad. Uh, Personality wise, he's just a he's a he's a doll. Uh, he's a lot of fun in Clinton, which is not a fun place. Uh, not generally a fun team. The Lumber Kings are pretty consistently one of our worst in the system um, and after a, a late innings win he snatched the flag away from the mascot and ran with it like in a victory lap around the stadium I'll find you Craig the uh, the gif of him doing it it's pretty great um, but no Escaño is the bat isn't there but he's probably He's probably the best defensive shortstop Caricuto's that we had in the system. Supposedly. Yes, but. I think that's right. Yes. <laughs> uh, Lewis Boyd, who we just drafted this year from ASU, is pretty good. But uh, Ascanio... Yeah, we have we have little guys, like, who are way, way far away. But Ascanio was kind of the only one who was playing above <laughs> the A-level, who, um... At or above the A level, who, you know, was a little bit on the radar. That's... It. <laughs> it's such a grim system. I don't get It's such a grim system. But uh, yeah, he's our, he's, so you, you got, got a, uh, somebody yes, who where is. the bat might develop. Grim system sounds
3: like a first base prospect.
2: Gr- grim system. Yeah. He's a D2 Congratulations. Kid. <laughs> yeah, actually Craig, just by having this conversation you're, you're with fift- us, you are now on the Mariners top other. 30. Congratulations. Prospect list. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Enjoy. Uh, the the beat writers will be showing up at your house any minute. Um <laughs> Yeah, so you, you understand why um there was such a huge Pushback against getting rid of Tyler O'Neill um, because it is it's a it's a thin enough system that I knew who Raider Ascanio was and was sad about him going away, not very sad because Mike Leake is you know going to be much better for the team in the short run and probably the long run. But um, yeah, it's when you when you look at Tyler O'Neill's home runs and then, you know, he's being pretty successful with Memphis right now, although his walk rate has just cratered. Um, yeah. It kind of, you understand why there was a lot of pushback, but it seems like Cardinals fans are embracing him.
3: Oh yeah. I mean, people are happy to, happy to have him, And you know, it's it's one of those things where they've got a lot of outfielders and, I think that they're they're hoping that that somebody you know sort of emerges <laughs> into a just, star, and if you've got color, potential 40 so homer power, it's, it's hard to it's that's hard to true. look it's away true. from that.
2: Yeah, jerk.
3: Well, you know he's Canadian, right? So
2: that's exactly why I think he was so excited to wear red. I honestly, I think Tyler was a little sad to be traded away from the mariners because they invested a lot of time with him he'd been at the fan fest like you know it was it's always hard i think the first time you get traded i've heard guys say that um and i think that there's something about the power tool like specifically when you john and i were talking about this with um speed and how speed is a sample size of one like you just need to look at a guy once and you can say oh he's he's fast that's a major elite skill um i think you only need to watch tyler o'neill hit one home run and you're like oh i could see him doing that it's a very easy skill to fall in love with is what i'm saying (laughs) um no my actual question final question before you distracted me with thoughts of brendan ryan and buffaloes uh, is the Mariners are kind of uh, in a bad place right now. Our, we're literally watching our playoff hopes trickle away day by day. Um, so I would like to focus on the Cardinals instead. Where do you think the Cardinals end up?
3: This year? Um yeah. You know, probably somewhere around that 82 to 85-win range and likely a game behind the, the Rockies or the Brewers for that final wildcard spot. I think that uh, they've been too inconsistent um, to, to really say that, you know, we're going to count on another really good run here. I mean, there's only a month left, and they've got at least five games to make up, and that's really, really hard to do. Um, I think that it's something they still could do, but uh, if you're looking at most likely outcomes, I, I think you're probably talking about uh, you know a team that's a little bit above 500, but uh, short of the playoffs, which is you know exactly what what they were uh, last year. Uh,
2: the Rockies have been cratering so hard, though. Like they are, I think maybe one of the worst offensive teams he's in been, baseball over been the past month. Bad. And Carlos Gonzalez is. Oh. Th- the worst offensive player not named Albert Pugles, I believe. I check myself on that, but anyway. Pretty sure it's Escobar, but... Oh. <laughs> uh Carlos Gonzalez hasn't been good, though. He was really contributing a ton to their offense. Um, they're, they are bottoming out a little bit, it feels like. You don't think that the Cardinals, with the addition of Weaver, Flaherty, maybe have a chance to take a run at that. I mean I,
3: I think they they definitely have a chance to I think that of you know if, if you look at it on a talent level basis you know you you're gonna look at at the Dodgers and, and Cubs and Nationals and see that those three are clearly the top teams but I, I think that there's a pretty good argument that uh, at least talent wise the the Cardinals are are the fourth fourth best team and they haven't really shown that uh this year and they definitely have a chance to, to, to catch the Rockies. It's just you know it's, but if, if the Rockies go you know 15 and 15, the Cardinals have to go like 21 and 10, and that's not something that the Cardinals have shown that, that they can do. Um, the next eight games are against the Giants and the Padres. I mean that's that seems like a pretty good time to start to start a run if they can get themselves in, in good position. Um, but uh, if if I were you know betting i wouldn't bet on the cardinals uh to to make the playoffs that said you know obviously that's what that's what i'm hoping for
2: so ultimately after making all these trades with each other uh the mariners and the cardinals will probably end up in a similar place i think the mariners too will end up maybe slightly over 500 missing out on the wild card the second wild card by a game or two and it'll be similarly frustrating for both of us i'm sure
3: well, I mean, if they can get above 500, that that might do it, you know.
2: Yeah, that's how bad the hail for wild card races.
3: Or you know, at least get a few one game playoffs. You know, just you know, make sure that the wild card game can't <laughs> actually start until like Friday of of the postseason. I think would would be pretty ideal, just from a general fan interest perspective.
2: Yeah, I think we are all re- rooting for the most chaotic outcome possible, r- regardless of team loyalties. Alright, well thank you so much for joining us, Greg. We really appreciate the insight, and um, we hope you enjoy your shiny new Tyler Adequate. O'Neil. Adequate is enough. And uh, we'll, you know, get what we can out of this here Mike Leek.
3: I'm sure they- he'll, he'll be very adequate. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that, that he is now our ace. <laughs> 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 all right. Well, thank you so much. And thank you to everyone who's sending questions. And uh, we will talk to you all next week.